Welcome to the Wellness Pod. I'm your host, Malika. And I'm your other host, Mpiwa. And today we have a really exciting episode about mental health awareness. Um, but before that, um, I hope that you enjoyed our last episode with Corey. Mpiwa, how did you feel about that? Honestly, it's always a great learning experience to hear from our guests and our experts. And Corey is such an amazing character. She's disarming, she's charismatic, and I had so many big lessons to pick up from that. We just completed Mental Health Awareness Week, and we're approaching the end of the semester very quickly. So I know that stress levels are high, at least for me. And I think that is why it is so appropriate to discuss what we are discussing today, because mental health awareness doesn't end with just a week. Um, it is a process, and I'm really excited to have this conversation. We're going to shine a light on how our well-being is not only just a daily aspect of our lives, but how it can be an avenue for outreach, a passion, and inspiration for careers that are actually related to mental health. And today we have the honor of having a few guests who work in the mental health space. Um, Haley and Sundarima, can you please introduce yourselves? Yay! Hi, my name is Haley. I'm a fourth-year psychology major, and I'm one of the peer counselors at PSV Care which is Yale and US's Pure Counseling Society. Hi, I'm Sundarma. I'm also a fourth-year psych student, and I'm excited to be on this podcast. Uh, not to repeat after Haley, but I'm also in the Pure Counseling group. <laughs> I've been in it since my freshman year. This is so exciting to have both of you. I would love to see if we can demystify some thoughts and, you know, like talk about, I don't know, stigmas with, with regards to mental health and reaching out. So I'd really love to see what you have to share. So on the topic of demystification, I think we can definitely start with some definitions or some things that might seem fairly obvious to some people but are not to others. So it's still important to clarify. So firstly, according to you guys, what is mental health in the clinical sense? Okay. And then the second thing is what does mental health mean to you personally? Thanks for the question. I think maybe just to start off with some official definitions, I think According to the World Health Organization, mental health is a state of mental well-being that enables people to cope with the stresses of their life, realize their abilities, learn well, work well, and just co contribute to their community. And I think what I find is that sometimes people assume that bad mental health means being diagnosed with a mental disorder, but I think that mental health just encompasses something much more broad. And to me personally, I feel that mental health simply means how and what emotions we're truly feeling and experiencing every day. Thank you so much for that. Um, I really like what you said. I think it's so applicable what you said about you know mental health and the idea that mental health relates to a diagnosis all, all the time. Um, I think that at least in my experience, and we'll definitely get into it later, but I think in my experience, um, sometimes I feel like it is not taboo I feel like I'm unjustified in saying oh I feel like I've been having bad mental health if I'm not willing to say oh I have depression or oh I have this diagnosis um insert here I don't know enough about like the process of app applying for PSP care what it looks like do you two want to share what that's like so if I were to recount my experiences when I first applied um 
you just kind of send in like a basic interest form and then you get interviewed. And then during the interview, there is a triad section. So PSV Care has this thing called triads, which are basically kind of role-playing uh, counseling session that you may have as a peer counselor. And they sort of assess uh, what stage you are at in terms of being able to counsel someone. But of course, during this interview process, they're not gonna expect you to be perfect. Uh, after all, you're there to learn and practice. But um, they do kind of get the get to see the potential of one. And once you get accepted, we have a mandatory training weekend every semester. We um, have this training manual that was passed down by the alumni since 2015, and it's 50 pages long. It's quite a comprehensive training manual. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, we actually do get the young counselors to step in and teach us uh, training related to QPR, which is a suicide prevention. Uh, as well as basic crisis management. So when somebody is having an anxiety or panic attack, what should you do? So yeah, that sort of encompasses the training. And we meet, we used to meet weekly to practice our listening skills because it's, um, we don't get shifts every night. And sometimes that's a good thing. That means the community is doing well. Yeah. So that's why we would spend our weekly meetings training instead. I think there's a general impression that you guys who work in the mental health space, both through PSVK and then you're also in the major that is psychology, that you guys have like a perfect mental health and coping strategies. You know, you know, people always make those jokes about saying like, oh, you guys, what do you mean? You're depressed. Just check your notes. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's please. Would you help to like demystify that or to kind of like share with us? Has this actually been the case for you? Yeah, I think I think your question really hits deep. Because last semester when I was in my psychological therapies module, we were learning about all these different therapeutic techniques and ways to help other people who are going through problems. And I realized that while I was literally on the brink of tears, having like a breakdown about what internships I should be doing, I was staring at my notes, which were exactly about how I should, you know, take deep breaths. And I realized that it's really not helping. And I feel like this is a reality and kind of an irony that maybe a lot of psych majors or like counselors experience because there's kind of a divide between reading and learning something about it and then actually practicing that in your own mental health experiences. I think something that helped me is that while I know a bit more about emotions and mental health coping strategies and all of these things that counselors are known for, it's good to create the awareness but what do you do after that? Like you could you could have the awareness and that could help you seek positive steps towards it. But sometimes that isn't enough. And I think something that helped me in that case is actually like taking the step and talking to someone about it. Like it could be a friend, a family member, or even a therapist, at which is another great service at UNUS. Yeah. Absolutely. And I feel you. Um, because not in any way comparable but for rca training we have to kind of like know some crisis responding respondent like techniques and de-escalation techniques um and we're also like we also have counseling come in and train us and i remember this one day so the remote did you do the bee bounce thing yes yeah. i did <laughs> so like the literally an hour before that I was so anxious. I was like feeling very overwhelmed about all my responsibilities that were coming up. And I took myself into my room and like I did the, you know, when you're having a panic attack, like the count, 
five, like name five things that, that de-escalation technique. And I did it on myself. Um, so I was like, wow, I really did check my notes. <laughs> but at the same time, obviously, I think, I, I don't think we ever think about it, but therapists need therapists too. Um, psych students need therapy. Like everyone, just because you have some understanding doesn't mean that you have the circumstances that give you perfect stunning mental health all the time, right? I know it's very unreasonable to expect students to have absolutely no stress or no uh, bad mental health days or weeks or months. What do you do when you have those periods, if you have those periods, and you also have PSP care and that responsibility? How do you juggle that and how do you navigate that? Actually, it's interesting you asked this question after you were talking about um, looking at your notes and how, you know, even counselors need therapists because I actually see my therapist quite often. Uh, I've been seeing a therapist since freshman year and it's very, very helpful. It's a free service in Yonius. Uh, shout out to Yonius. Um, But I think in the context of being in PSV care and how to juggle that, actually within our training manual and our kind of our guidelines, sort of, I guess, we have something called a blue zone. So ideally, when you're a peer counselor and you're on shift, you want to be on a blue zone. This means you can kind of listen to other people from a peer counseling perspective, not as a friend and not as someone who's going through a lot that they don't have the capacity to listen to. And actually, this concept within PSU care is very helpful to me because I actually try to attribute that to my daily life. So obviously, if I'm with friends, I'm going to be in a friend zone, uh, you know, like having friendly conversations. But if somebody comes to me reaching out here, I really need someone to talk to. I mean, even outside of PSV care, I will try to be more in a blue zone where I'm listening to them and I'm prioritizing what they want to talk about. And I just listen. So I think basically any time that I recognize I'm in some sort of like, I guess you could say red zone where I myself am going through so much that I can just recognize I cannot listen to others. I will just tell myself I cannot. So I think that concept um, that was technically a, like a technical skill to learn in PSU care has actually been very, very helpful to me in my daily life of just recognizing, okay, what kind of zone am I in? Do I have the capacity to listen to others in the way they need me to? And if not, I try to be very honest and kind of create boundaries. Yeah. yeah so you've mentioned the patterns that happen in our yoga and US community, that people get stressed with certain things at a certain point of the semester. Right. So apart from recognizing those patterns and being able to anticipate those things, how can we as a community and as individuals improve our relationship with the anxiety and those high stress environments? And this is a question for not even just the Yale and U.S. community, but even when we get outside of it, when we get into our work environments, when we get into family situations, how can we deal better with things that might otherwise have caused us anxiety or stress? I think that's a wonderful question, but at the same time, a question that we'll never really have one solid answer um, because there's many ways you can kind of improve your relationship with anxiety and how that looks for you. Um, I think one advice that I've been kind of given by my therapist and others is to just let yourself feel in the moment everything that comes um, so if you feel periods of anxiety or or any kind of other negative emotion, it's okay to feel it. You know, don't try to push it away. But of course, this sort of kind of applies to feelings of anxiety or anxiousness where you can still sort of have the agency to do something because there is definitely some forms of anxiety or even anxiety that 
attacks that can be so debilitating that an individual may feel like they don't even have the time or privilege to kind of do anything about it, or they may feel physically incapacitated to do anything about it. Um, and I also do think that there is definitely a privilege when it comes to mental health and being aware of it. Um, even having the time to relax or think about your mental health is something that not everyone has. Some people have to be constantly working or be on survival mode. Um, but after all, we are human, so we can end up burning out or eventually having to face whatever the negative feeling, anxiety, or stress is. When that does happen, I kind of want to remind people that it's okay if you fall down. Um, if you feel weaker in any way, just let yourself go through that moment and feeling. And I guess one practical advice that I've also been given is to, in these moments, to actually touch your knees or your thighs, because that helps you recognize and realize that you exist physically. So this was something that I thought, does this even work? But actually, I started doing it. So whenever I feel like I'm stressing too much about an exam or something, I kind of rub my thighs and tell myself, hey, hey, like, I'm still alive and I'm existing. Calm down. Things will pass by. Yeah, so that is not necessarily my own words. I was given this advice by much more wiser people. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, I guess continue continuing on with this conversation about all the complications with life and how it can affect your mental health in different ways. I told you earlier, I told both of you earlier that I started going to counseling last year. And before that, I was convinced that I didn't really need it and I didn't want to take the space up um, from someone who would need it more um, but then something happened and that was when I was prompted to go and after going did I realize oh this is a really useful resource and there's definitely more that I can talk about that I would like to unpack and I need help unpacking that do you encounter in your life as a student perhaps not as a peer counselor do you encounter students like me who have similar attitudes towards counseling and what advice would you give to them? Hey Malika, I am one of those students. Like I really relate with you. <laughs> I think despite being a psych major and a peer counselor, I was still super hesitant towards going for any therapy session, even at YNC where it's free, because I just didn't think, like you said, that I had a life-changing event or really anything big enough for me to have a reason to go to therapy. And I'm really glad that my beliefs were disconfirmed after I went for my first therapy session, because I just think it's just so beneficial to have the opportunity to talk to a professional. And I think you're definitely not alone. I think like me and you, I'm sure there's lots of people out there who feel that they don't have a problem big enough or they just don't have an actual problem that they need to see a therapist for. But I think for that reason, you just need to ask yourself, what even is a problem? There's no, even across psychology, there's no definition for what is problematic or what is, or, okay, there are definitions for things that are definitely problematic, but there are few definitions about things that are not problematic. And something that I usually tell myself is that if you felt something, then it's valid. And you just need to be kind and trust yourself. And if you feel that there's something that's troubling you or bothering you, there's no shame at all in going and seeking health, uh, help, sorry. And um, I think as a peer counselor, I think there are definitely people who do come by for peer counseling precisely because they don't think that their problems are big enough for an actual therapist. So they can drop by and see a peer or someone who's maybe a little bit more knowledgeable. 
And I think that's why I feel that we're so fortunate that Yale and has so many ways and systems for us to get help throughout. And even just our little communities of having sweet mates and friends and just people we can trust to talk about these things is very fortunate. But at the same time, there's no need to kind of put yourself in a position where you're really questioning yourself that are my problems valid? Because there's no reason why you shouldn't just take that step. Yeah. Okay, and thank you for sharing. I was just watching this TV show called Insecure, and this girl is like being told by her best friend to go to therapy, and she was like, "Oh, why would I pay someone to do what a best friend does?" Um, and I mean, I don't think I've ever possessed that impression because obviously people are professional and they have the tools to help you, but I do know that this is a sentiment, and I I think you're right in that. There's so many systems that can support us um, and perhaps like different levels can support us in different ways, um, which is true. But I think it is hard sometimes to navigate. I think people should maybe consider alternatives to like friends if they can and consider peer counseling or counseling because of the reasons that are like boundary drawing can be harder and like skill sets are limited when you don't have the tools um, necessary. Yeah, when you said that uh, comment about on the TV show, the person saying, why would I pay someone to listen to me when a best friend can do that? I, as much as I'm a peer counselor, and as much as I see a therapist myself, I agree with that sentiment as well. If you feel like you don't necessarily need a therapist right now, that's completely okay. Because a therapist outside of YNC and usually in the real world costs a lot of money. You have to travel there, you're paying $200, talk to someone for an hour, and you may not even end up um, solving, quote-unquote, solving your problems, right? Um, but at the same time, I do think this never will diminish the positives of therapy. You know, you may not feel like you need it, but it doesn't diminish its value in any way. So you guys must have heard that joke, right? How many therapists does it take to change a light bulb? None of the light bulb has to change itself. Um, basically, I think uh, one of the reasons therapy can be effective, even in the setting where you may have a very close friend who listens to you and is a very good listener and you are lucky in that aspect, you may still find the value in a therapist because people still have a capacity and not everyone can listen to troubles for as long as they can, right? So I think, again, quote my therapist, everyone has a sort of tank, a mental capacity tank. And when you're talking to a friend, they themselves may be having so many issues, they don't have space for you to for you to fill in your worries on top of their worries. So when you see a therapist, it's a very unconditional environment where you can dump as much as you want and they won't judge you, they won't think about it, and they won't be mentally drained from it. It's literally their job and you would hope that they're in a setting where they can listen to you. So I think um, even for those who may feel like there's no value yet because they have maybe friends to replace that kind of position, there is still value in doing in seeing a therapist because you will also be taking a load off from your friend, right? So it may not affect your mental health, but it could affect your friend's mental health. Adding on to what Sundarima said, I think another benefit or a difference seeing a therapist compared to a best friend has is that they can be objective that perhaps your best friend cannot because they know you so well and they've seen you through different parts of your life and that 
kind of that can help you kind of consider your own situation and problem in a different way and in a way that you may not have considered yourself because as a, a therapist is an external person and they have a different skill set and as a professional they have a way of summarizing and communicating things to you that may be even more clear and that could benefit you in a different way before we end our podcast firstly thank you so much for sharing and being so open to share this has been such a lovely conversation but before we end our podcast episode is there any last bits of advice that you would like to share about mental health and taking care of yourself um, mentally i think this is also maybe something that sounds obvious or has been said many times before but truly it's to put yourself first I think just being open and honest with yourself is maybe the first step towards doing anything for your own mental health done it's not often to just put yourself first and be really honest and conscious about how you're feeling and what you're doing because we're just so busy with all of the things around us all the people activities and extracurriculars around us but something I always like to tell myself or question myself is how are you feeling in that moment? And is that something you're happy with or something you want to change? And with that, I feel like I've been able to be a bit more conscious about my mental health. And I think that's just one of the steps that others can also take. I agree with the statement, put yourself first so much. Um, If I were to add something, I want to say putting yourself first goes both ways, if that's the best way to put it. Um, seeking out help from a friend or a therapist is putting yourself first but at the same time if somebody comes to you asking for help and you're not in the space for it saying no is also putting yourself first so it's okay to also say no to these things so I guess that's kind of the other side of uh, mental health care that people don't talk about as often is recognizing that in maybe rejecting a friend rejecting in rejecting helping a friend in the moment you are also putting yourself first so don't think that you are obligated to help everyone um but also go seek help <laughs> it's a weird thing but yeah thank you so much Sundarima and Haley for your contributions I think as trained peer counselors the overall theme that we got from this episode was the fact that awareness of your state at any given point is empowering and even though there are a lot of broad definitions and everything manifests differently for each and every single one of us the first thing is to be aware of the patterns to be aware of what overwhelms you to be aware of what causes stress because that in itself is already um, putting yourself first it's already empowering you so thank you so much again for all of these contributions and I will definitely make sure that I will touch my knees or rub my thighs so that I can make sure that I'm aware. <laughs> and also, thank you for sharing that notes are not enough, guys. Enough memes, okay? Even therapists have therapists. Let's go. So, yeah. And to you listening in, thank you for staying till the end. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to keep up to date with the podcast and all wellness-related programs on campus, follow us on Instagram at Wellness for more. Until then, stay well, stay safe, and take care.